Our passage of scripture this morning is a very familiar one. Matthew chapter 6, and I'll read verses 9 through 13. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Matthew 6, 9 to 13. The title of my sermon today is Our Father or Patriarchy. And today is Father's Day. And I wanted to celebrate our Heavenly Father today. And sometime, somehow this year, and I guess this has been a little bit, we're celebrating Father's Day in the middle of Pride Month. And Scripture says... Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And on Father's Day, it's appropriate to honor uh, not just our earthly fathers, which I hope we do, but also our heavenly father. And when we pray, our father who art in heaven we are praying to the living and true God. He is our Father. First John 3, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has given us that we may be called the children of God. We who are his people are literally his children. And this leads to my first point. Number one, we believe in God the Father Almighty. That's taught in Scripture. We believe in God the Father Almighty. That's what every true believing Christian believes. That's, you know, when I say we believe in God the Father Almighty, some will notice I took that from the Apostles' Creed uh, because that's what believers believe. And this whole passage is a prayer to our Father. Uh, we pray to our Father because He takes care of us. He watches over us. But first, when we pray this prayer, we're praying to whom? We're praying to our Father in heaven, whose name is to be hallowed. We are praying to an infinite, eternal, unchangeable God who's all-wise, all-knowing, all-loving. Uh, he is our Father uh, he's able to provide all our needs. He is a very real God. Uh, he's not somebody we made up. Uh, he's not a, a statue. Uh, he's not a picture. In fact, we don't know what God looks like. Uh, he's a spirit, so he doesn't have looks. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And if you look at your notes there, uh, I have the scripture proofs for each one of those. 
That's what scripture tells us. But the Bible is God's word to us. He's communicating to us about who and what he is. And part of what he's communicated through our Lord Jesus Christ is he is our father. And especially we who are uh, believers. Hallowed be your name, which means hallowed is the same as holy. And when we are praying it, when we're praying that God's name to be hallowed, well, it's already hallowed by itself, but we're praying that it would be hallowed in our lives and, and we, we would be glorifying God's reputation. That's what a name is, is his reputation, that it would be hallowed and holy. And uh, hallowed actually also means separate. And you see the same thing was said about Jesus' name, uh, that he had a name that was above every other name. And when we hallow God's name, it means we're holding it above every other name. God is more important to us as true believers than our wives, our children, even ourselves, our mothers, our fathers. Uh, the most important name of all is the name of God. And we're to live for his glory. It says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, to all to the glory of God. We are created by him for that purpose. That's why he made us in his image. And as Christians, we're being recreated into that image. When we pray your kingdom come, when we pray your will be done, we are praying to a God whose kingdom is over and above the kingdoms of this world. And whose will, as expressed in scripture, we desire as his subjects to do. That's why we pray, thy will be done. Uh, that means a couple different things, actually. You know, we want to be obedient to his precepts, to his laws, to his rules. And when we pray, thy will be done, that's partly what we're praying, is that we would be obedient to follow that will and then there's also the will that we fall into isn't it the god's secret will that we uh every day something happens to us and it's the will of god and when we pray thy will be done we're trusting that god is good in whatever that happens to us he says to us in romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for good to those who love god to those who are called according to his purpose and in romans eight twenty nine. That good that all things are working to, towards is, is, is described because it says that we will be conformed to the image of his dear son. So all these things aren't working together so that we'll be winning lotteries every day. Uh, they work together so that we'll be more like Jesus. That's the good that is there. And when we pray thy will be done, we're praying that God would do that in us. We are praying for his kingdom to come. Uh, he has an everlasting kingdom. It says in Psalm 145, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures through all generations. Uh, we're praying for the day that God's kingdom will come. With, 
when every knee will bow to, to, to our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, as it says here in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, meaning I believe under the earth means the demons will bow down to Jesus. They will have to, whether they like it or not, they will have to do that. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Right now that's not happening. Uh, every tongue isn't confessing Jesus is Lord. Some of them want to spit in Jesus' face if they could. But they will, they will do that at one point. We believe Jesus will really come back. That's what Christians believe. Every Christian believes that. That Jesus is going to return. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We believe that God really does supply our needs. Uh, he gives us our food. And in fact, I could say he's given me more than I needed. Uh, he's given us an abundance. And, and here in America, a lot of us have uh, more than we need. Uh, in fact, we've experienced answered prayers, many of us, not just for food, but for many things. When we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We know that he not only provides for us materially, but he provides for us spiritually. He gives us uh, that forgiveness that we need. <coughs> and then he gives us every spiritual blessing in Christ because he's forgiven us and he's taken us out from under uh, the wrath that we deserved and brought us into the realm of his grace as part of his kingdom. We were children of wrath, and now we're his own dear children. Um, we trust that when we pray to him, we are coming to a loving and forgiving and very real heavenly father. The passages that I read earlier in the service from Psalm 103, 12 through 14, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As a father pities his children, I know I would do anything for my kids and for my children. And as a father does that, I believe God gives way more than we do for our, our children because he is perfect. He is holy. Uh, God the Father meets all, as I said, spiritual needs and blesses us with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's Ephesians 1.3. And if you want to read that, uh, that first chapter of Ephesians, in the Greek, it's actually all one sentence. Uh, about The whole chapter is a sent, one sentence in Greek about all the blessings that God has bestowed upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we pray, and do not lead us into temptation... But deliver us from the evil one, and yours, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, it means we understand that we are sinners, uh, that we need God's help 
to resist temptation. Uh, it means we believe not just in God in heaven, but we believe in a very real devil and Satan uh, and spiritual beings that can come against us. We don't believe in them in the sense that we believe in God because we trust him. We don't trust them, but we believe they exist and they're trying to come after us. We believe, though, that God also is all-powerful even today. God is not dead. His kingdom and his power and his glory are forever, and he can keep us from temptation. He can give us victory over our sin natures so that we will, we will be victorious over not just our sin nature, but over the devil and all the powers that might come against us. And when we pray, we're, we're praying for that very thing. Now, I've gone through this whole Lord's Prayer now very quickly, but I also wanted to bring it into the context of today and the way people are looking at it in our world today. Uh, Our belief in God the Father is being challenged by very dramatic and I could even say demonic lies. In this manner it says, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We have God as our Father if we are true believers, but not everybody in the world has God as their Father. There's, There's some verses that may indicate that Because we're his creation, we're since his children, and everybody would be that. But as far as God being truly the father of everybody, he is not. Not everyone has God as their father. John 8, 44, Jesus is speaking, and he's speaking to the people who, uh, in verse 30 of that same chapter, were believing in him. But they did not want to believe that they were sinners. And he says to them, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. And today we're living in a world that is just jammed full of lies. Almost everywhere you're going, you're hearing lies from liars. One of the many ways the world lies today is by changing the names of things. A baby in the womb is a fetus. And that's true. A fetus is Latin for baby. But since it's Latin, not everybody thinks so. Well, yeah, a baby is a baby. It's a real human being. But the idea of using fetus is to maybe to confuse them and make them think it's something else. It's not quite a baby yet. And so they call it that. Murdering this baby in the womb is called health care. Uh, it, it, it's, it's called that regularly. Uh, or women's health care giving children puberty blockers now or even cutting off private parts is also called health care or now it's gender-affirming health care. That's a new name for these things. If a person is against killing babies in the womb or mutilating children in the ways that are described above, he's called a bigot or a hater. 
that he will be said to hate to oppose health care for minorities. The minority is the, the person who wants to get these things done. If a parent wants to save his own child or her child uh, from this kind of health care, that parent is now called abusive. And this is all in our laws. And, and these are just the few of the things that name changes happen and they result in lies. One of the worst of them, though, these name changes, is what I'll speak about today. And because if you pray the prayer and you agreed with most of, or all of what I prayed, uh, I told already in the first point of the sermon, if you believe there really is a God up there and he really hears our prayers and we really pray to him as our father, there is a group of people that say, you are not, you're not really Christians if you pray like that. You are patriarchy. And why do they say this? They say this because they like the word Christian. They want to, ch- they want to steal it. Just like the word rainbow, like the rainbow, they've stolen that in scripture. That was, the rainbow was for the flood. Right. And it, it, it showed that after the flood that God would not, he promised he would never destroy the world by a flood again. And now they've taken that. And they want to take the word Christian away from people who really believe the Bible, uh, about, uh, uh, that there is a heavenly father up there. Uh, that he watches over us, that he cares for us. If we believe in this, what we believe they're saying is patriarchy. And they want to put a whole different view on everybody is this. They say we believe God is Father, not because there really is a heavenly Father up there, but because we want to subjugate women. We call God Father uh, because... Uh, we believe there are mommies and daddies and, and we are transphobic. Uh, we don't want to have a father in heaven. Uh, we, we, we don't really believe that. This has been made up by people. That's what they're saying. The Bible was made up by men to control women, to, to, uh, to oppress other people, especially people who were born Trans, they weren't born female or male, and they have a different mindset. And they weren't really, they were born this way, and we're just trying to oppress them. That's why we pray our Father, because we are trying to oppress them. That's why they call it not Christianity anymore. More and more, you'll notice they call it patriarchy. And patriarchy, there's nothing wrong with that word either. Just like fetus in Latin means. Uh, uh, it means baby, uh, patriarchy, or a patriarch. You, Abraham is, is a patriarch. He's the father. Uh, God is a, a patriarch. We, we, you know, now I'm one of the oldest in my family, so maybe I'm the patriarch. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with that word. But they want to give it bad, a bad name. And it's easier to do that than to, to just to, to take Christianity as something they go against, even though they will go against Christianity. Why patriarchy? Because it allows them to attack biblical roles for men and women. 
You know, it says in scripture, wives submit to your own husband as to the Lord. And that's something they don't, they they can point at and say, there, there's a man uh, who's subjecting his woman to abuse and stuff like that. And then it says, children, obey your parents and the Lord for it is right. And then even in Proverbs, it says, do not withhold a correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall, you shall beat him with the rod and deliver his soul from hell, Proverbs 23, 13, and 14. Those kind of things our society are saying, that's abuse. Children shouldn't have, a, parents shouldn't have authority over children. Uh, and, and, and not only that, but they're saying we don't need a mother and a father in a home. We can have two mommies or we can have two daddies. We, have, we don't have mother and father anymore. All we have are parents. And so that's why we don't need mother and daddy and father. We have parents. And parents can be two mothers, uh, lesbian women or things like this, uh, or people that are not even related. And this allows them, when they call us patriarchy, uh, this allows them to claim the word they like, which is Christian, or the other word they like, which is love. And love is what a drag queen does when they talk to children at story hours. That's love. And so here's where we're seeing these things change. And the words uh, love or Christian are not allowed for us anymore because we're the patriarch. We're the patriarchy. And they're claiming these words for themselves. And yet when they do this, they're causing little children to sin. Jesus says in Matthew 18, 6, whoever causes one of these little children who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was drowned in the depth of the sea. Three, well, they attack Traditional Christianity, how are they treating children? Are they really better than fathers? Are they really better than mothers? Uh, it says in scripture, Psalm 14, 1 through 4, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And that's where they start with. Uh, whether they say they believe in God or not, usually when they pray, if they pray the Lord's Prayer, they never pray our Father. They usually pray our Mother uh, uh, who is the earth or something like that. Uh, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God, but they don't really mean that there's even a mother that God. They mean, they, they know that that's effective for their, their kind of prayers. Uh, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek God, they have all turned aside. They have turned, they, to, they have together become corrupt. There is none who does good, no, not one. Uh, have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who, who eat up my people as they eat bread and they do not call on the Lord. They don't call on the Lord. That last part says they don't pray. They're not going to pray our father when they don't believe in God. They do whatever they want because they think there's nobody up above there watching them. 
And it says in Scripture, the first blessing and the first command in the Bible, uh, which requires both a father and a mother, is God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And very shortly after that, when we read in chapter 2 of Adam and Eve getting together, uh, you know, it says that the two would become one flesh, and they are married. And part of marriage, uh, when we look at Scripture, what Scripture says about marriage is uh, that male and female were created to be together uh, for companionship. Genesis 2.18 says, And the Lord said to him, It is not good. The Lord said, God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And so for the man he made the woman out of his rib. And then to both the male and female, he says, Genesis 1.28, Be fruitful and multiply. And one of the purposes of marriage, and it's always been until just recently, was not just companionship, but also procreation. That we would have children and that we would be families. And God designed both male and female and uh, uh, the family and marriage for these purposes. Uh, Not that every couple that marries would have children because some don't but every child does have a biological father and a biological mother that's why that marriage is is procreation and so this god created us he designed us to be both mommies and daddies in relation to children this is also what they call patriarchy This is patriarchy because the traditional idea of a biological father, the head of a home where there's a biological mother, this is what God has ordained. Uh, It doesn't always work out that way, but that's the way it's supposed to be. I I read a book (laughs) called Book, uh, a book called Truth Overruled by Ryan T. T. Anderson. And in that book, he's talking about uh, the effects of the law, which is called Obergefell, which made gay marriage legal uh, in this country. But he's talking in the book not just about gay marriage, but he's talking about the, uh, everything that led up to gay marriage. And what led up to gay marriage was the whole idea that marriage itself was not connected to procreation. Whatever two consenting adults wanted to do together was their business, and it was the consenting adults that were an important part of marriage. But the children part was not an important part anymore. And our culture in the sexual revolution moved further and further from the biblical ideas to the idea whatever two consenting adults wanted to do, that's okay. And so we moved away from God's way. And so we have same-sex parents, glitter families, transgender throuples instead of couples. That's three threesomes. Uh, marriage leases and wed lease rather than wedlock. 
Meaning you can get a lease for so long to be married for, I'm going to, I'll, I'll marry you for three months and we'll see how it goes from there. Or, or three years and see how it goes from there. Uh, these are new ideas. And how do you think these things work for kids? Uh, children. Let's say that you have a wed lease and, and it's for two years and you have a little two-year-old. Uh, born during that time and the lease lease is over Uh, you go find somebody else it just doesn't work and the main thing that wasn't thought about this was children where do children fit in with all these kind of new ideas Uh, well now and this this week was a short week for me because I prepared all this last week for, for sermons so I don't have all the uh, the documentation I normally do. And I looked at some websites. One of them was Reddit. But I, I, child trafficking this, this now, I think is one of the things that happens when we become more uh, ungodly in our, our thinking towards children. And today, 8 million innocent children uh, are trafficked, meaning... Uh, Oftentimes, these are the children that are, are in, in the immigration system, but not just that. Uh, children include, and these are involved in sex slavery, rape, torture, organ harvesting, meaning uh, some children are brought, bought and sold just to order to take a heart or to take a, to take a liver from them. Uh, ritual murder and breeding for pedophile predators. And this is happening in major ways. In the United States alone, 800,000 children yearly go missing. In the United Kingdom, 230,000. In Germany, 100,000. In Canada, 50,000 every year. And the numbers are growing every year. And who is involved in this? And this is where I'm not totally sure. I'm not going to argue that that I know for sure all these are happening. But the CIA, uh, the person who wrote this one article I read was from the CIA, and he said the CIA was involved in this. Uh, he says uh, government officials, law enforcement, politicians, elites, churches, and child services. In the book by Anderson, he told how the, a lot of the child services, the adoption services, would be involved in this, and how the gay marriage law affected that. Because now... The, 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 the adoption agencies that were Christian agencies or, or Catholic agencies uh, that would only uh, give children to a fa- father and a mother because of the new marriage laws, they can't do that. They have to give children to homosexual couples. They have to give them to lesbians. They have to give them to, to uh, homosexuals. Uh, they can't just give them to fathers and mothers. And in several places in our country, those, those places, those Christian adoption agencies, they have closed and they are closing. And the non-Christian ones are taking over. And they will gladly give them to the homosexuals. Uh, and so children are being... Uh, put in that situation. And why is this? Well, it's big money. All of these things are 
our, our, our big money, um, a multi-million or billion dollar business. Uh, to give you an idea of the large sum of uh, money involved, uh, some body parts from children are sold for 90000 to 225000 depending on the organ. That's one child. Uh, when you think all these things that are happening, a child may last for two years if she's uh, sex, uh, for sex. In, in fact, that's that is life expectancy. So if she's there, when she starts, she's 13, uh, she'll live till she's 15. These things are happening. Uh, scripture, though, tells us and this is why we have to get back to God. What will God do about these things? Malachi 4, 1 through 6 says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. And all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that, leave, that will leave them neither root nor branch, but to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings and you shall go out and grow fat like stalled cal fat calves. You shall trample the wicked for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts, remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb, uh, for all Israel, with statutes and judgments, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming and great and dreadful day of the Lord. Then he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. When God comes, when Christ comes, and I believe some of that was talking about Christ's first coming, uh, the hearts of the fathers will be turned to the children. Uh, in a Christian home, that's always the case. Uh, Christian fathers always want to care for their children. doesn't mean they're perfect. It doesn't mean that they're sinless. But a Christian father, a godly one with the Holy Spirit in them, is going to care for his children. A Christian mother obviously cares for their children. Even parents that are not Christians... When you have biological father and biological mother, they care for their own more than people who have no relation to these children. Here we see God will judge the proud who do wickedly. Here we see those who fear will be healed and grow fat, meaning the godly people will be strong in this. They will be blessed. They will trample the wicked. It tells us to remember Moses' law. Part of Moses' law is uh, on Father's Day, honor your father and mother. Uh, Elijah will come, which I believe is talking about John the Baptist. He already came. And it says he will turn the hearts of the children to the fathers, or the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And if our hearts are towards the children, uh, we have to. Uh, have a heart also for our Heavenly Father and bring back the belief that is true, that He really is God 
and that he really is our father. We were created in his image. This isn't some kind of thing that we made up so that we can rule over somebody else or take advantage of somebody else. Uh, We did this because we know it's true. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage. I know I've taken it a little away from what it's normally taught, but just because this is what's going on in our world today. And so, Father, we pray you'd help us to apply these things to our lives. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hymn of response is, This is My Father's World, number 411. I mean 111.